Hey guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of Nerds Talk Movies. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host for today, which is going to be an episode that I did not see coming in 2023, but I have to introduce my co-host, because he's the reason we're talking about this movie, Drew Garrison. Drew, how you feeling today? Who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite fearless hero? I'm not going to lie, that song is pretty catchy. It is very catchy. I am so... I'm not going to say it's great, but I will say when the movie was over, and I think it was playing in during the end credits, I just started just like, oh man, it's going to get stuck in my head. It, it, it does. Was, it was, it's been stuck in my head for like the past two or three days. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the movie really d- blew it all out with that song and that whole sequence. But I am so glad I got you in on it because, in truth, I did not expect this movie to be good. I watched it going in just expecting to have a movie night with my sister and we were just going to watch something that we say, hey, let's watch a bad movie for once. And we were totally wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil my thoughts. I'm going to save it. Let's just go ahead and get into it. You saw the title. You know the deal. Today, we're going to be talking about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Here's a synopsis for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, courtesy of IMDb. Quote, when Puss in Boots discovers that his passion for adventure has, been t- has taken its toll and he has burned through eight of his nine lives, he launches an epic journey to restore them by finding the mythical last wish, end quote. And here are some of the main cast for the film, along with director and writer credits. Again, this is coming from IMDb. It was directed by Joel Crawford and Januel Mercado. The screenplay was done by Paul Fisher and Tommy Swordlow. The story was done by Tommy Swordlow and Tom Wheeler. Additional screenplay material was done by Eaton Cohen. The main voice cast goes as follows. Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots. Selma Hayek as Kitty Softpaws. Harvey Guy... That name got me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Harvey Guyon as Perito. Wagner Mora as The Wolf. Florence Pugh as Goldilocks. Olivia Coleman as Mama Bear. Ray Winstone I don't know how they have Ray Winstone for this movie, but Ray Winstone as Papa Bear, Samson Kayo as Baby Bear, and John Mulaney as Jack Horner. So, full disclosure, I don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with this franchise. I've seen the Shrek movies, but I haven't watched them since I was a kid. I loved them, and I loved the Puss in Boots character, from what I remembered. Apparently, Puss in Boots The Last Wish is the second Puss in Boots movie. Based on what I've seen, the first one was the introduction of Kitty Softpaws, who was one of the main characters in this movie. It also appears that the first movie had Humpty Dumpty in it. Yep. And I think Zach Galifianakis points the character, based on my research there. It has been ten years since I've seen the first Puss in Boots, so... So you're not the person to ask here. I am uh, not the but person here's to the ask. Thing, Why the hell are we talking about this movie? Well, as I mentioned before, last week I chose the topic, Superman vs. the Elite, and this week Drew picked Puss in Boots' Last Wish. I'm about to throw it over to Drew for the rest of this prelude here in a second so he can give you a spiel on why he chose this movie, and maybe some trivia or notes that he may have to share, but first, I'm going to tee him up. 
Because he wasn't the only person raving about Puss in Boots The Last Wish. Puss in Boots The Last Wish was released in December 2022. It appeared to have a slow opening weekend, only to eventually blow up at the box office. It eventually made up over $478 million worldwide per box office mojo. The film also was nominated for multiple awards, including Best Animated Feature Film at the Oscars, and even won multiple awards at various events, not including the Oscars, unfortunately. But hey, Everything Everywhere All at Once won a lot of Oscars this year. So they got one thing right this year, finally. Yeah, they did. Come to think of it, nobody got slapped either. So I guess this was the best Oscars in years? In in years, I mean, they've kind of had a shit show for a while, so, you know. Well, it's not really saying much because, you know, potentially hot take here. But I think the Oscars are severely overrated. (laughs) Same. That's a topic for another day. Uh, Anyway, as I was saying, Puss in Boots The Last Wish made a boatload of money was nominated for multiple awards, won some awards, and even became a shocking hit. I'm going to leave a link to a Variety article detailing how this happened and how TikTok, of all things, potentially played a hand in this movie getting some much-needed steam during its box office run. Here's a long excerpt from the Variety article. Quote, Much of Puss in Boots' The Last Wish's slow and steady box office success is attributed to its positive reviews, enthusiastic word of mouth, and minimal competition from family films. But Universal's marketing department also believes that TikTok was vital in keeping up enthusiasm into the new year. It's impossible to know how many TikTok users actually bought tickets to The Last Wish, but the studio has been closely tracking the stats, and since the trailer dropped on the platform in March, the film's official at Puss in Boots handle grew to 1.6 million followers. More impressively, the hashtag Puss in Boots The Last Wish has been used 2.2 billion times. Wow. It's hard to say TikTok drove sales, but when you have that many people engaging on the platform, that means you have resonated in a real way says Dwight Keynes, Universal's president of domestic marketing. In the lead-up to the film's release and the weeks following its premiere, Universal and DreamWorks leaned into Gen Z's social media platform of choice in a big way. Promotional resources were spent to boost awareness of hashtag challenges and to partner with influencers on the platform. Eventually, Puss in Boots began to organically take off among users, so the studio was able to dial it back on the spending, end quote. I don't know much about TikTok. I did read this article, and I just found it interesting. That's why I included it in the prelude. So uh, de- definitely check it out. It's worth checking out, especially considering like how much money this movie made and all the goodwill that it got after it released. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to see this kind of like run that you don't usually see to where... It's the word of mouth. It's just like a lightning in a bottle situation, really. Uh, but Drew, I'm turning this thing over to you. Why in the blue hill did you select this movie for us to watch and talk about today? And feel free to go ahead and get into your general thoughts because I feel like you're going to organically just slip right into that during your response. Spoiler alert, but yes. <laughs> So, um, I was not part of the TikTok craze when uh, Puss in Boots The Last Wish 
came out, me and my sister were just looking for a movie to watch for our movie nights because we try to have event days for us to stay um, talking to each other after we have both moved to different locations. And this was honestly just us saying, let's go watch a bad movie. It's like, it's Puss in Boots, The Last Witch. I had seen the first one and it's like, Puss in Boots 1 isn't a bad movie. It's just kind of boring and honestly not necessary. However, when we went into The Last Wish, we went from, this is going to be hilariously bad, to, oh my god, this is one of the best movies that we have seen all year. Remember, this was back in 2022. <laughs> so, this was really a shock and surprise. And it made us say, like, okay, okay, it's like, this this spinoff is actually pretty, pretty good. And... I really do feel like if you want to get the true experience, you should probably just go in and watch Push in Boots: The Last Wish. I hear it's, I hear it's um on HBO Max. If not, uh, like I know like you can rent it from YouTube and stuff. Uh, I also hear it's on Peacock as well. So go watch it. It is really good. And uh, just come back, like you can literally pause us and come right back and hear our thoughts about it. But um, this movie slapped way too hard for a Shrek spinoff. In fact, it feels like this is the best movie to come out of the Shrek movies, and I really like Shrek 1 and 2. My general thoughts is this movie's a banger. This is absolute slaps. This is classic. This is lightning in a bottle, as uh, Taylor said. And the fact that Antonio Banderas has somehow found a way to make a Zorro out of nearly so many of the roles he plays. I just love that too. Yeah, man. So when you put this on the docket, I went, sorry. So I guess we'll watch it. We'll cover it. Uh, It'll probably be fine because I don't think Drew's going to recommend anything that's bad. Unless it's bad, unless it's so bad it's good, I probably won't recommend it. I don't know if it's recency bias. I don't think it is. When I say it's one of the best animated movies I've seen, it's really hard to like just go in and go in and try to elaborate so much without getting into details because the devil's in the details. And really, we should probably just start talking about what we liked about it and like give. Well, I got one more. Quick note here, so this is the reason why whenever a movie like Space Jam 2 comes out and there's criticism and people go, yeah, but it's a kid's movie. Don't, you know, don't pick apart a kid's movie or don't, like, think too, you're thinking too hard, basically. I hate that excuse because I think it gives bad filmmakers a way out from their bad content. Because this movie is a kid's movie. This is just outstanding whether you are a kid watching it whether you're adult watching it because you will feel some kind of way by the end i am convinced that dreamworks left the people who made this movie alone for however long development was and they just went yeah just do what you want we're not going to bother you here's your budget and then by the end they went all right what'd you come up with Oh, you guys tried way too hard. Like, (laughs) you guys didn't have to do all this, but what they ended up making is just 
to me, it was very unique. It was very, I don't want to say, because it's hard to speak in these hyperbole statements saying it is one of the best, it's one of the, but especially recently, I can confidently say this is like one of the best movies recently I've seen. I really have to like agree with you there, because it's like, if you saw the first movie, you didn't, or even if like you're just a Shrek fan, you don't expect this spinoff to actually be good or for them to do anything with it. I hadn't seen the first Puss in Boots. I don't remember the Shrek movies all that much. I love Shrek 1 and 2. I remember not like liking the third one as much as the first two. Yeah, the third one was I think the best. I still enjoyed it. At the same time, I don't remember a lot of it. So I came into this pretty damn blind, really. <laughs> By the end of it, I was like, oh, this took a... Okay, the first 10 minutes, this is getting into the spoiler talk, retrospective, whatever you want to call this thing. The first 10 minutes, I was like, okay, this movie is not going to be it for me. I don't think it's going to be very good. It's the Fearless Hero musical number, and it starts off very overconfident for Puss, and you're just like, okay, this is just going to be a kid's movie. 10 minutes in, this movie takes a tone shift. That I did not see coming. It's not like it gets crazy dark and it stays that way. No, it dials it back. It's still a kid's movie. It's a family movie. But man, it takes a turn whenever the wolf comes into the place. (laughs) And you hear that eerie whistle. Dude, this is how you do a villain. It is. Like, this villain... I don't want to say a villain because the wolf is just death spoilers here but and he doesn't mean that and he doesn't mean that metaphorically job. metaphorically ironically or any other flowery way he is death straight up i mean it's just he was so eerie he felt like a presence throughout the entire movie and the way puss and boots would react to him man like this is it was perfect to me mm-hmm. in terms of an antagonist that was not always fighting, wasn't in the thick of the action, but was always around, basically. Yeah. And it was just so good. And I think a lot of that starts with Antonio Banderas' performance. I think there's a lot of great members in the cast. I think John Mulaney does really good in this movie as the actually straight-up villain. Jack the Horner. Movie. <laughs> Jack Horner, who's just the worst person. <laughs> the worst person imaginable. And I guess they can't use the name Jiminy Cricket because, you know, they just called him the ethical cricket. Well, like, but... he's technically not Jiminy Cricket because Pinocchio did... Okay, so, little thing for the Shrek movies. Pinocchio does put down, like, oh, um, there are... Like, we are. he already met Jiminy and everything. Why he's not um, a real boy anymore, I guess it's because, like, all the fairy tale people are more celebrities, so he did it for his celebrity status but uh that uh, that's the reason why he's not technically jiminy cricket he's just another of the conscience crickets yeah see so i'm glad to have you around here because i have no context for this <laughs> but even that's cool cricket goes like oh there's good in everybody there's good in everybody which is just having him be on jack Warner's shoulder for a little part of this movie made the villain so much funnier to me because at every turn, he just proved how evil and cartoonishly villainish he is. And it was great. Yeah. But Antonio Banderas, I think, does a great job in this movie. 
Oh yeah, Puss in Boots. I think he's the standout. Selma Hayek is a win in everything she's in. I think maybe the movies she's in aren't necessarily the best. Looking at you, Eternals, but hmm. she does a great job. And I don't think I've ever seen her not put out a good performance in anything she's been in. So it's never because of her. Yeah. Um, I gotta say Harvey Guyon as Frito is probably the unsung hero of this movie. Yeah, and when I first saw him, I was already on the hype train of enjoying the movie, and then Perito shows up, and I was like, oh, oh no. That's the exact response I had. I went, oh no, they're going to ruin it with this overly annoying character. And then by the end, I was like, no, he's, he." I don't want to say he saved the movie, but he like made it special. Yeah, I don't think like anyone really saved the movie because the movie is great on nearly. Yeah, every the movie aspect. isn't in need of saving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Perito. Perito is the heart of the is the heart of the movie. I feel like he's the piece that allows all the different parts to coexist at the same time. As for other standout casts, I think really everybody in this movie does a really good job. Florence Pugh. The rest of the Bear family does great. Uh, Wagner Mora, I think, deserves also a standout nod here. Oh, yeah. Because he is menacing as the wolf. Uh, We talked about the villain. We kind of skirted around talking about him. But, man, whenever you hear the whistle, it's like everything drops. The entire Now, this sounds like a bad thing. Like, the movie stands still and nothing happens. But it's probably one of the best parts of it. Because when he enters the room, everything comes to a standstill. And it it feels like you are about to watch the finale coming in early every time you hear the whistle. Yes. And the voice, I think, is a big part of that. Because he brings that presence of a just intimidating antagonist. I don't want to say villain. Because he's not really the villain, but still. Uh, Let's get into our actual spoiler talk. We've been kind of skirting around some stuff here. Let's talk about Puss in Boots using up eight of his nine lives. I thought this was a funny little scene. The show because he's died and just the overconfidence of the character. Yeah. Oh, and also one of the things that became a meme also emerged from here. Apparently Puss in Boots revived the Giga Chad meme. The shellfish? No, 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 no. Uh, the uh, the muscled puss life, <laughs> where he's li- that's the Giga Chad meme. It's like it's like everyone says puss in boots had a glow up. What happened? Damn it! I hate the internet. <laughs> I do. <laughs> this is why I don't like social media. We didn't have to do this, people. Why? <laughs> I'm glad puss in boots' last wish became a success, and it seems like a big part of it was because of social media, but. Damn it. It's not without its pitfalls. I know. But it's like, at the same time, it's hilarious to me. It's like, the internet will literally latch on to anything and make it something special. (laughs) (laughs) I See, the thing is, this is, it's a family movie, and this is a cat as the main character. I love that the cat gets drunk off of milk. It's a very stupid detail, but I don't know, it's just... The whole time this is happening, he just has a whole 
pint of milk in his hands. It's like, watch me, and then he falls off a balcony. Uh, that's also one of the. Uh, that's also one of my favorite of his lives. Just the fact that there was a puss in boots that was a drunkard. It's like, <laughs> I love. It's like I love it. <laughs> but it's all to set up that he has used up eight of his nine lives. And the doctor tells him that he needs to retire. If next time you die, you're dying for real. Now, Puss in Boots goes into this. He goes into a bar. He's calling the doctor an idiot. Doesn't know what he's talking about. He's really just in denial about the fact that he's facing, at some point in his life, death. Mm-hmm. He's going to die at some point. Which, by the way, if you're an adult, if you're a parent in the theater at this point, you're like, all right, movie, you don't have to get serious on me, please. (laughs) And this movie gets serious on you real quick. And then we get the introduction of this wolf that we've been leading up to. The big And he pulls out a wanted poster, and Puss believes that this is a bounty hunter out to kill him. What we get from here is an ass-whooping. Oh yeah, it's like literally, literally he's in his mode where he's like, fear me if you did. And before he even finishes, the wolf disarms him and acts like he's just finishing his drink. (laughs) It's like the disrespect. You know what I like too? Is whenever he's doing the whole fear me, I laugh in the face of death. The wolf starts to get frustrated. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm rooting a little bit for the wolf in this movie. In a way. Like, I'm rooting for Puss, and I'm glad he goes through this emotional arc, and he, at the end of it, he realizes, like, you know, I'm going to live my life to the fullest, and I only need one. And he learns the lesson. But you can understand where the wolf is a little frustrated. Yeah. He's a man doing his job, and he's watching this fucking arrogant cat go around, waste his life over and over, because he has the privilege of dying multiple times. And there's nothing this wolf can do about it. Yeah, I also lo- I also love the fact that um, with Puss on his last life and what what we learn later about the wolf is like you can understand why he is playing around with Puss instead of killing him right there. It's like he wants to enjoy this. It's like you laughed in my face all this time. Yep. Now I'm enjoying your suffering. Yeah, he wants Puss and Boots to suffer for just laugh mocking him this entire time and not taking life seriously and and not in the sense of taking life seriously as in enjoying life he i mean puss and boots it does seem like he enjoys life but he's not appreciating it yeah i think that's the difference like if you're enjoying and appreciating life that's fine but it's one thing to just act so carelessly and that's why i think the movie is trying to send the message out for everybody is to go appreciate what you have, enjoy life, don't take things ultra too serious, just, you know, yeah, appreciate what you have, basically, is the message of this movie, which is a fantastic message. Definitely. Well, talking more about the wolf here, what are your full thoughts on this character? Again, he's probably my favorite character in the movie, just because of the presence that he brings to him. I think he's my second favorite character, just because... I love um, how Puss is in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like I just have to give it. To, I just have to give Puss number one. But the wolf is honestly really, really good. It's it takes a lot of good writing 
to allow a, one character to come in and be a tone shift in your entire movie. To make it feel it went from, oh, this is happy family um comedy action everything to like nope this is you are go you are going to die i literally i literally just changed just uh made all the parents gas when i make you have one drop of blood on your head yeah that was a shocking moment for me that made me go uh this movie was it rated something that i didn't think it was rated nope is this PG. a family movie <laughs> hey, 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 hey. If the 1980s can scar you with nightmare fuel and call it PG, then you can <laughs> handle one drop of blood. It's not like a kid has never scraped their knee. Oh, no, I was just saying for the just surprise of it, though, especially in 2023, where I think ratings are really like, oh, you got to be very PG if you're doing a family movie like that. And Puss and Boots went like, no, we're going to have blood multiple times. Like, Perito bleeds later on in the movie. Yeah. I think. So, yeah, man. Just, it was kind of crazy to see that. And not only that, just the themes of the movie. Again, what I think this movie does so much is it just wants to tell a story that is appealing to everybody, regardless of age, race, gender, whoever you are. You, I think, get something out of this. Yeah, because it's like everyone can walk away with something from the movie. It's just, it's a fun time, man. It's a good story. It's a fun, it's a fun time. It's a good story, and it really, and it's like every character feels like it's necessary for the story to be there. Yes, one thousand percent. To me, I think a reason why this is one of the best animated movies I've seen in quite some time. This is skipping ahead. But I think this has one of the best B stories that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And that's the Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yep. They turned this joke villain that I went, oh, this is just going to be the joke villains, the stand in for the wolf, since the wolf can't be there the whole time. Because at that point, we hadn't gotten Jack Horner yet. And then by the end, they became the secondary protagonists. They all go through a fucking arc. It was crazy. Like, this movie is an hour and 40 minutes long, I think. And so many characters feel like they go through a journey. Yeah. I also have to stop underestimating the Shrek franchise from subverting my expectations with the fairy tale, with the fairy tale people and how they can creatively use them. Because Goldilocks was very different from how I thought she would eventually appear when she got into the Freck's, uh, the Frex, the Shrek franchise, <laughs> uh, but uh, they did they did it. It's like oh, it's like no, it's like this isn't like just some lost girl who's probably gonna like be a joke. It's like no, they run a crime family. <laughs> they're it's like they're actually well known. It's like geez, this is this is honestly really awesome. <laughs> what did you think about this base story? Because. It's one of those things where Goldilocks wants them to use the last wish and the bears, they're like, what are you going to use the wish for? What's the whole reason we're doing this? She never really tells them until the end. And the whole time, the map, which the map is basically trying to tell her the whole time, it's pull, trying to pull basically a Pirates of the Caribbean with a compass. Yeah. Going like, it's right in front of you. Like, you already got what you're wanting. Mm -hmm. And that's a family. Yeah. And that's the whole arc is for Goldilocks to realize that she already has what she's been looking for her whole life. She's just been too consumed by 
getting what she thinks a family looks like. Well, I also think it has another thing to... uh, It has another really way of showing it because the whole thing is like Goldilocks is adopted. Yeah. And one of the things that that hammered that um, it home for me was uh when baby like says you ain't even a bear and it's like he's saying it jokingly like a sibling would that shows how much he feel like how he feels for her and everything it's like that's a sister but to her that hurts he takes it personally yeah because she actually thinks that and they don't know that she actually thinks that yeah so that that's a very good point man i didn't even think about it from that perspective like it's actually a little bit deeper than i thought it was yeah it's it's very deep it's very deep because it's like even it's like you it's like she understands like this is her family but at the same time she wants to feel like she belongs and for and for a while she just doesn't feel like she belongs in the family and that's why the map is showing her through all of her different stories and everything but what i love but what i love is that they don't dance around it for too long because then Perito gets kidnapped by them and then uh, he's like just enjoying being the kidnapped victim and like seeing their dynamic and everything. And then that moment where Perito, because he is just so truthful, he can't lie or nothing. He's like saying, oh, it's like, oh, Goldie, from one orphan to another, it's like you hit the family jackpot and it's like, it can hit real well because Perito is the one to say that and you know what he's been through. Yeah. Dude, I feel like an idiot for not really thinking about it more from that perspective. I was just thinking very baseline, like, oh, she didn't know she had the family that was right in front of her. And you think about the Perito aspect, which I think they even called back to later in the movie. Yeah. So, yeah, man, very good point to bring up there. Puss in Boots arc, because I want to talk about the rest of the characters. Okay. But this is one of my favorite arcs I've seen in animation. Oh, this is yeah. honestly one of the most mature stories I've seen in animation. Because this is a guy, and by guy I mean cat, dealing with his own mortality. Mm-hmm. And he does not know how to deal with it. And Drew, you and I are not old. Not by a long shot. But Not by a long shot. But I think people our age, I think we're getting to the point, though, where we kind of get in our own heads, right? And we start thinking about, like, yeah, we're going to get there, though. Yep. We're going to get to, you know, getting older and actually getting, like, we're going to have to reckon with that at some point. Like, we are going to die at some point. And I think that gets into our heads, even as young as we are. Yep. So I think, like, knowing that, like, that happens to me sometimes. I'll go, like, ah, like it gets in your head and you can't stop thinking about it. You're like, this is stupid, but you can't help it. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those thoughts that happens. You just got to let it eventually just crawl out of your head. Yeah. But for this movie, though, to showcase that mindset, and it doesn't seem like Fuss is really that old. I don't know how old Puss in Boots is supposed to be, but it seems like he, he's just a cat. It's like, oh shit, I'm going to die someday. It's like, yeah, you will, but you know, you don't have to freak out as much as you are. Yeah. And kind of, that's what it feels like to me is one of those things to where he's freaking out too much about it. And this isn't to downplay it. It's just one of those things to where you're, you can see where the character's coming from. And I think for 
people who think in their heads eventually having that crisis of, oh shit, we're all going to die someday. Seeing him go through a panic attack later in the movie, too, is just like, oh shit, that got real, real fast. All right, movie, I'm... <laughs> Shit, I thought we were supposed to have fun here. <laughs> it's, like we were, it's like we were having fun. We were making fun of the fact that Perito is literally a soft boy. And then it's like then it's like literally we get like a few seconds with the wolf and everything confronting Fluis, and now he's freaking out. He can't even he can't even fight at the moment. He's just literally just like, I need to get out of here. And it's it's so intense, and I'm glad that they didn't take away that intensity. It really does feel like it was necessary to show the audience, like, this can get bad. It can get really scary for you, especially the deeper in thoughts you go about it. Yeah, and I was just coming at it from, like, our age perspective. Like, sometimes we think about it and even freak out, even though maybe we shouldn't. But people who are even... Like who don't mean to say this for older people who are listening to this podcast, but you know people in their forties and fifties and like late thirties listening to this show, and I don't know if they have ever thought about this subject, and I bet like it freaks you out, man. It's natural, so I mean it's just such a relatable story. I think I feel as though it's also a good thing to bring up to kids because one of the things I think that a lot of people do is that we want to protect our kids from thinking your life is limited like you will like you like you won't be here the entire time and everything but um i feel as though we need to tell we need to tell them that eventually i'm not gonna be here you're not gonna be here the world will move on without you all of that like not all at once. Not all at once. Not all at once. But I think like <laughs> it's a very complicated thing, of course. But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I feel as the, I feel as the like uh, Puss in Boots does a good job of making it, making us realize that we have our own mortality and that we need to come to terms that we have one life. But like Puss learns, it's like you fight for that life and you live it to the best you can. Because you yourself can enjoy what life has to offer, but only if you get a chance to actually live it. You can't let fear hold you back. Yeah. Perito, we talked about it before, right? This character was introduced. We both kind of go, oh, God, this is going to be horrible. He's going to ruin the movie. Ends up being kind of the heart of the movie. He has this heartbreaking backstory that he says in such just an optimistic tone. Voice acting was great. The character lines were great. The character development with him and Puss in Boots, outstanding. And I think it really comes to a head in that scene where Puss has the panic attack. Mm-hmm. And he's just there to comfort his friend. Yeah. And I also feel, and, I, and it's also a great moment for Perito because that's his, his whole thing. He wants to be a therapy dog. He wants to be able to help people. And he actually did. That's the thing. They're like, oh man, it's just, it was a really good moment too because in a lot of movies, I think you have that moment and then there's something holding back the main character from accepting the character that helped him, you know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of movies that would have pushed and push Perito away afterwards and go, uh, just not accepting the fact that he can have friends because he's a solo act, you know? Yeah. But what this movie does is after that moment 
he kind of just lets Frito in. Like, yeah, he's my friend now. Like, even he even tell him the truth. Yeah, even tells the truth of Kitty Softpaws and his history with her. Yeah, it's it's really a subversion of what I would expect. Yeah, I also think like one of the things that a lot of movies is is that it's copying the um, Joss Whedon formula, where it's like once you get super serious, you tell a joke, and it's like, nope, we're staying serious. This moment means something, and I am so glad it does because. It enhances Burrito's character, it enhances Puss's character, and it makes you this moment you feel for it so much more. Yeah, and I think the reason why this movie really thrives with the way that this tone goes and the way this story goes is because it doesn't do the Joss Whedonisms. It doesn't just play up something as a joke because this movie has faith in its own comedy. Yeah. This movie goes, hey, we're going to have dramatic moments, but we're a family movie. We're going to have a lot of comedy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody can enjoy it. And we have faith that our comedy is going to land. And we don't need to have 90% of, 99% of the movie be a joke. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the reason why I feel the way I feel about this movie. is because it was focusing on telling its story. It allowed it to shine. Yeah, and it allowed the whole movie to shine. All the voice actors, all the writing, everything. The animation in this movie is superb, I think. It's a lot different than I expected it to be. It seemed like it took a lot from Into the Spider-Verse. Which everyone seems to be doing nowadays. (laughs) With good fucking reason, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, man, just what a damn good movie. I feel speechless this entire podcast. I'm sorry. I feel like I'm (laughs) off. So episode, and it's not because of I have nothing to say. It's just because it's just a really good movie that I did not expect, and I'm still kind of putting together my thoughts like a day later. Yeah, it's it it has so much that it that it offers and it delivers successfully that in truth the movie can truly speak for itself, and we're just trying to like be its hype man right now. <laughs> yeah, it's also I say everything I say about. People giving an out to family movies and going, you're thinking about it too much. Don't be critical of them. And giving a pass to bad filmmakers. Yeah. I do think to a very small extent, you have to draw a line, though. And be like, okay, you know, I can't criticize it like I would normal movies, though. Yeah. Because, like, it's not trying to. It's trying to appeal to this massive fan base. Or demographic. So I get it, but I just think everybody usually goes too far in that you can't criticize it direction. Yeah, because if you can't criticize it, you let the movies get away with doing dumb stuff and even some problematic stuff. Uh, you get the emotion movie, okay? If you want a thing where you, <laughs> you actually can't said criticize it. family movies, you get the emoji movie and you get Space Jam too. What pisses me off more? I'm, this is gonna go into a rant. Go ahead. <laughs> What pisses me off more about Space Jam 2 is LeBron James. I have no problem with LeBron James being the star of Space Jam 2. I actually think that's probably the most natural thing they could have done with it. However, I have a problem with LeBron James's performance. Yeah. I have seen LeBron in a few things, and he's been naturally quite good. Very surprisingly. And then he comes into Space Jam 2, and he is just for the... I'm so sorry, I'm just going to be very vulgar here. He is dog shit in this movie 
And that's what upset me the most. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. This is the this is the sequel to one of the best, most influential sports movies of the nineties. People our age true came up with Space Jam. We're like, oh man, this is great. They can never do a sequel to it. Then they announced the sequel, and I went, okay, if you're doing a sequel, you got to do it justice. Then they go, we're going to get all these NBA players. We're going to get LeBron as a star. And I think everybody started to get a little nervous. But not me, Drew. I went, you know what, LeBron, he's acted before. He's a better actor than Michael Jordan. <laughs> and you know what LeBron did, Drew? He, he laid a fucking egg. He did what he did against the Dallas Mavericks in the 2012 Finals. Oh, Jack no. shit. Oh, Taylor, that... I don't mean to go into a friend of Space Jam. No, 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 It's like, honestly, that rant was... I felt, I felt the anger. Oh, man. But, yeah, it's like, I fully, I fully agree because... Uh, you're right. If you if you're not allowed to criticize family movies, then you do get those two horrible horrible movies, Space G- Space Jam Two and the Emoji Movie. It's like, well, why do they even need to try? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the other member of Team Friendship, though, Kitty Softfalls. I did not know this character existed because again, I hadn't seen the first movie. <laughs> Thought she was a pretty good character, even without the context. I feel like her character works very well. Uh, she felt like her own character and not just being the love interest of Puss in Boots. So, when I think Selma Hayek's performance really elevates that. But oh yeah, her she is she's honestly way too good. Like her voice, her voice just really brings out the character and all her inflections and everything. Like, but uh, what I also what I also love is that one of the things is that we find out that Puss did, never showed up to his wedding with Kitty. And it's like you think, oh man, he it's like he uh left her at the altar, she must be devastated, then and then the plot twist and it's like she never showed up either. It's like, oh I knew you <laughs> weren't gonna show great. up, so I just didn't show up. <laughs> it's honestly one of those plot twists that you're just like, Man, that's a baller move from Kitty Softball yeah. over there. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm like going like, whoa. It's like she she not only knew him well enough to do that, but she also just slaps it in his face. It's like, dang. What are your thoughts on Jack Horner in this movie? Oh, oh my God. If you ever wanted so badly to see someone both succeed and lose spectacularly, you would get Jack Horner. It's like, wow. It's like when he first showed up, I was like, okay, so this is going to be like, the full the full big bad until um the wolf shows up and then and then it's like not only is he somewhat like a scene stealer with a lot of what with a lot of what he does but also it's like you kind of enjoy seeing him use the fairy tale um the fairy tale weapons and everything even when he uses them poorly it's like oh okay hey have you heard of this thing called the midas touch it's like I can to- it can make your way in gold, and then it's like oh they turn to gold. It's like I love it, and then like he's a terrible shot. <laughs> he uses unicorn horns, arrows, or is it just the unicorn horns? I couldn't really fully tell, but I think it's just the unicorn horns. But it's like he fires the unicorn horns, and he takes out his own men. It's like the baker. It's like he takes out the bakers. <laughs> it's like he just can't shoot for 
He get he just can't shoot. He's a stormtrooper. He's a stormtrooper. Um, but also, but also, it's like when they gave the cr- when they gave the cricket. I don't remember if the cricket has a name, honestly. But uh, when they gave the consciousness cricket, nah, he's just called Escal Cricket. And I am Okay, so I'm just gonna call him Cricket. When Cricket is like just shows up and he's doing his best to try and like say, to show Horner. Hey, there's a better way. <laughs> it's like you don't have to you don't have to like be this evil and everything. And then he's like, Yeah, you're right. I can do it this way. <laughs> it's just as bad, if not worse. Him and the I'm sorry, I'm wrong. The ethical bug is what he's called in the IMDB credits. Ethical bug. Him and the ethical bug, their scenes are my favorite scenes <laughs> with Jack Horner in it in the movie. Not my favorite scenes in the movie. But just my favorite scenes whenever Jack Horner is present. I don't know how they kept getting so many moments that are just memorable or memeable. It's like, but having the ethical bug, like, suddenly fully realize, like, this like this guy, Jack Horner, is totally irredeemable. And then has this whole, and has, has this whole, like, realization. It's like, you're horrible. You're an evil, terrible monster, and Horner just rolls with. He says, "What took you so long?" It's, it's such a great scene because you knew like this had to come. There was no way that Horner was gonna be redeemed. You can't redeem him, and then to just make it so entertaining, it's so good. What you think about the MacGuffin in this movie? The, the Wishing Star, the Last Wish. Yeah, I thought it was good. That I was, thought it did its purpose. Yeah. I li- I liked it. It's again using the fairy tale tropes really creatively. When you wish up- when you wish upon a star and everything, and the starlight S- star bright poem, which actually my mom did read to me once when I was a kid, and ironically she re- the back to back one because it was in this book of fairy tales. It was back to back with Puss in Boots. I don't know if that was an inspiration. <laughs> But I like that. I like that so hard. It, like it spoke to little Drew and me. I think what makes it so good is I think it would be just there. Just it was fine if it was not anything unique or special. But tying it to each character has their own journey to the wishing star. Yeah, I think that was the thing that they added into the story. That made it from, eh, it was fine, to, alright, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I also do love that, um, it's kind of like, it'll go over your head your first time viewing it, but I remember, but when me and my sister were talking about it, she remembered this detail. She said that the wishing star works by birthday wishes. Your wish can't come true if you tell anyone your wish. And everyone told someone else their wish, which is why no one got it in the end. So see, that's not really true though, because Goldilocks still gets her. Everybody gets her wish. Everybody gets it's just not in the way they expect. Goldilocks gets the family. That well, she technically, wanted, Push Push's original wish was to get uh his other lives back. He just realized yeah. that he didn't need them anymore. So he he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit that. And I was actually re- true. And I actually I have the same thing. I said the same thing. My sister's coming in clutch with her an- analyzations <laughs> in that she was like puss didn't go through that it's like he wanted it, he wanted his lives back he didn't want uh he didn't want a, te- a team in fact he was 
just trying to be solo the whole time until he was forced to work with Kitty. And it's like, oh yeah, that that's true. <laughs> uh, so it's like... Yeah, but everybody else gets exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Including Jack Horner. Jack Horner got the wishing star all to himself. Yeah, it just it eviscerated him in the process. <laughs> yeah. So everybody got what they wanted. It just... I guess with Puss, it was a thing where his wish was got changed. But Goldilocks gets her wish. Uh, Kitty Softball, she wanted somebody that she could trust and ends up being Puss. Farita wanted a family. He got a family. Puss and Kitty Softballs. Mm-hmm. So everybody got what they wished for, just not by using the wish and just in a little bit different way. The only person that would say had it changed is exactly what she said with Puss and Boots, his original wish. He didn't get any of his life back. And nobody used the wish. I like that nobody used their wish, by the way. Yeah, I like it too. I like it too. Wish MacGuffins can be a bit of a bore because they can make they can feel like they can break the story. But having this one be like so be like sort of only one only one wish and you gotta be ca- and uh gotta be careful. Also the fact that the wishing star really can like erase you or disintegrate you. I don't know what was happening. I but it's like it was scary nonetheless. I feel so bad for that final baker uh woman. But uh who that's that star don't play around. But this but it's like the way that they use the wishing star is like I love it. Not only that, I think this is one of those movies that it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Oh, 100%. Kind of thing. So, I think it works a lot better that the wish doesn't get used traditionally. It does seem like there's going to be some kind of sequel, or maybe they're going back to doing another Shrek movie. Uh, apparently, it's for Shrek 5. Okay. Uh, but it, they did have the wishing star had a bunch of, like, it blew up and... I was thinking that I was going to grant wishes to a lot of people around the realm or something like that. Or do some weird mystical thing. It was like, I was expecting something, but what we got... Hell, with this writing team, they might actually incorporate that into the next movie. Who knows? Like, I trust this writing team. (laughs) Yeah. It's like like Jack Jack Horner returns. (laughs) Yeah. I don't put anything past them. They might go into some intricate time travel next (laughs) Who knows? And do it right. What if the uh, star is actually the fairy godmother's wand? Ooh, that's a good theory right there. That is actually <laughs> damn. That is a good theory. <laughs> uh, okay, we're go- we're going into the uh, tinfoil hat territory. Let's get back. Hey man, we got a tinfoil hat over on Power Up and Game. I could try to get it for Nerd Stop Movies too. Oh, I wouldn't mind that. Let's move on though. Let's talk about Puss versus the Wolf Two. To where the wolf comes in, he has already intimidated Puss and been like, hey man, I'm coming for you, I'm death. As he says, and I'm quoting here, I am death straight up. <laughs> and he's going to kill Puss and Boots one last time. Puss and Boots runs away, now Kitty Softpaws and Perito believe he's running away to do- take the wish for himself, which is one of those classic movie tropes that I was like, damn it, the movie did it so well, but I still fucking hate that trope so much. <laughs> hey, everybody's like, the main hero's the bad guy. Hey, at least it comes from experience with Kitty. It's like, she, she's she yeah. been through this. But it ends with the wolf having this final confrontation with Puss in Boots. And everybody finally realizing, like, oh, wait a minute. 
He wasn't lying when he was saying death is following him. Oh yeah, yeah, this yeah. This thing is real. <laughs> and the and again to pull off the hardcore move, the thing that's disintegrating everyone. He walks through. Yeah, like it's a freaking shower curtain. <laughs> it's like it was nothing. Every again, it's one of those things where I was talking about earlier with the wolf, right? I think it's hard in a movie to have a character that sole existence is whenever he enters a scene, he stops all momentum of the scene. I feel like that could ruin some movies. It makes this movie thrive because everybody just drops what they're doing. It's like, what the the hell is that? It's this scene is just it goes really hardcore. It's like best scene in the movie with them fighting it's like puss is obviously like losing and then finally as it as not only a physical characterization of his art but a mental one too it's like he uses uh kitty's got the uh how do you pronounce it again gatito blade Mm -hmm. yeah well before that he actually has the map in hand and he could use the map to get his wishes back which theoretically would probably take death away at that moment. Yeah, because he has literally like nine lives in between him and death. Yeah. So that would not solve the problem, though. That would just kick the can down the road. What I loved about that moment is it showed the character's growth, and he's not going to run away from death. He's not going to try to find a shortcut, but he's not going to accept it. Yeah. That's the great part about the message of the movie. This movie's message isn't like, oh, except that you're just going to die someday. No, this movie's like, yeah, you're going to die someday, but fucking fight for your life, man. Don't just sit there and die. And that's what this movie does. And what she said about the blade and how he uses that to be the thing to equalize the fight somehow. And this unstoppable monster. He can't kill it. Like, he can't kill the wolf. He can't beat it. But he'll never stop fighting for it. Yep. He'll die fighting for his own life. And that's the one part of the fight that I was like, oh, alright, baby. That's, I see what you did there. It was a little heavy-handed, but it really worked. Yeah. Oh, there, there's also something else. So, appar- so apparently, this was going around on uh, Instagram for a bit. But apparently, there was a potential, there was a potential um, extra lines that showed Perito had seen the wolf too. And apparently it was taken out because they thought they thought it harkened back to his origin story a bit too much, which uh, kind of does, yeah. But uh, I thought that was interest. I thought that was interesting that Perito has seen uh, the wolf as well, which obviously, like you know, the wolf comes to claim your soul or lead you to the afterlife or which, however, which way death as an embodiment works in this world. But. Uh, I thought that I thought that little bit of deleted uh, story was like a little was interesting. I get why you don't want to put it in because that I think that does hit a little too close to home. I prefer it not being in there because I like the idea of is this all in Puss in Boots's head? Obviously not. It's like Kitty and Renito see him; <laughs> they well, react I'm to him until the end. Until the end, because nobody sees him until the end. It's all. It looks as if it's a figment of somehow, like, his fear. Uh, You don't see the wolf until his last life is up, and then he runs away. The bartender never sees him. Nobody ever, like, uh, Frito doesn't see him whenever they're running away. Yeah. 
uh, from Jack Horner's office or whatever the hell it was. I think it was Jack Horner's office. Jack Horner's office, and then there was when the forest was changing. Yep, and they didn't see him then. So I think it makes the moment at the end where they all see him, and it's, oh, he is real. Okay, this just got real interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think that moment doesn't hit as hard if at one point in the movie, Frito just goes, oh, I've seen that guy before. Oh, oh, so... (laughs) That that's my bad because I didn't explain this. It's supposed to happen after Puss and Wolf's second fight. Okay. Oh yeah, I definitely wouldn't have wanted that. That would have been too dark for the movie's ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very glad they didn't get put in. Actually. Yeah. So, it's, it, yeah, man. Yeah, it's really dark, but I'm glad they didn't put it in because it's like because it's like it's it's honestly really interesting that it seems like Death respects Puss now. It's like okay. You're you're pretty cool now. I'll see you again someday, but maybe a bit far from now. All of that stuff feels great, and I also love that it wasn't the final fight. We got one last fight with Horner, and it was pretty generic for what it was. They set up the whole fairytale food, like eat me thing before. Magic cool. snacks. Yeah, the magic snacks. Like yeah, all that was cool. Yeah. But it was pretty generic, but I'm glad it was there because I would rather it be something like that than Death act like he was the villain. Because again, he's not the villain. He's just doing his damn job and Puss is kind of the villain in a way to me. Because he's the one that's not taking any of that seriously. Yeah, and It seems like he's the one who's wasting his life. So it was one of those things to where the wolf is going around having to run around after this cat. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, he's been dodging me for however long. I want to get him now. Yeah. So I'm glad that it was one of those things where that, get, that gets resolved and then the movie gets to get resolved. Because now Puss in Boots has this finalized character arc. He's at the end of his hero's journey. He's realized what he actually believes in, and then they can take out Horner. Yeah. And, uh, and I still like the... Uh... I still like the fact that uh, even at the end, we get some nice moments with Horner and everything. It's like Petty Doe is trying to do the uh, the soft kitty stare, and uh, he finally do- he finally does it. And then Horner is like, "It's adorable. You thought that would work." <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like again, one last line. What <laughs> last- prove how bad of a person he is? <laughs> That's uh, great. I love the little anti Terminator thing. Yeah, where he goes thumbs down. Uh, it's 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 just it's just great. It's like Horner really does work as the as the primary villain of this movie, Mm -hmm. and Wolf works as the primary antagonist. Yeah. So the very end of this movie, team friendship comes out on top. Frito decides on a name. He just wants to be called Frito. Love that, by the way, because. Puss wants to call him Chomper or something like that. (laughs) He wants to stick with it. Like, he keeps trying to sell it to him, too, Mm -hmm. through to the credits. It's just one of those endings where it's like, oh, man, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. They get one last scene, the book ended from the beginning of the movie where he's in that town and the king comes back and all that. Now he's stolen the king's ship. And his wigs. And his wigs with uh, Kitty Softball and... Uh, Perito, and they're sailing to a land far, far away to see some old friends. Thought it was a really good ending. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I cannot believe I'm saying this. 
I'm excited for Shrek 5. I'm excited too. It's like, I was not excited when they announced that they were in the making of another Shrek movie. And then Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, that made me 180 that and say, oh, I am so excited for another Shrek movie. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. I can't believe I'm excited for a Shrek movie, potentially. Or kind of excited to see another Puss in Boots. As long as, like, a team like this is involved. Because this team came in and went, nobody knows that we can make something great here. We're about to create one of the best movies of 2022. <laughs> yeah, they are. has any inclination that we're about to do that. <laughs> like I said, like what I, what I just jokingly threw out there is it felt like DreamWorks just left this team alone. And went, you guys do what you want. Here's your budget. We're not going to mess with you. Then they came back. I was like, what the hell? Why? Why did you even try? <laughs> you didn't have to try this hard. And then, it really <laughs> felt like that's what happened here. But I'm really glad they tried this hard. Same. And, um, I, have to admit, and I have to admit, when I watched Shrek 2, Puss in Boots was my favorite character. It might have been because of the storybook that my mom read to me as a kid. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, it's also, Anto- it's also Antonio Banderas' voice. It's like, it's like he he stole he he stole the show for me in Trek Two, well second stole the show because the musical may be like the fairy godmother at least let like to hate her, but uh I it's like if I was in the situation where they gave me control of a movie around Puss in Boots it's like I would have tried my hardest to <laughs> at least from a personal standpoint. Let's talk about our favorite and least favorite moments. I don't have a least favorite. Movie. You don't have the least favorite. I don't. It's like, I like this movie start to finish. I really can't. It's like, I can't even fully nitpick it, if I'm being honest, because it's like... Okay, I, you want me to get my least favorite out of the way? Go ahead. First ten minutes. I know it's got the catchy song, but honestly, <laughs> I know that, that the sad part is I say least favorite, but it's one of those things to where it, this movie needs it, because, again... It doesn't take a crazy-ass tone shift, and then it sticks with being this dark and depressing movie. But it hits a tone shift that you're like, oh, what just happened here? What That cat just... Hmm. Why is there blood? <laughs> that, somebody made that cat bleed his own blood. <laughs> so, I think you need those first ten minutes to put you in the mindset of, oh, okay, I know what kind of movie we're going to see here today. And then you get to the scene with the wolf... And everything just goes into a completely different direction. It eventually gets back into the family-friendly direction, but it never totally deviates away from that moment in the bar. You know? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't really have a least favorite, so I'm just going to have to pick one at random. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say when Puss is cooking pancakes at the lady's house. That's such a good scene. It is. It's like I love. It's like I love it. It's like I do. It's like I think is I still love it. It's like he's cooking, and then she's like, she's is like she like sprays him with the water bottle. It's like you're not supposed to be yummy here. It's like, but it's like that's the he's best. peeing in the toilet. Yeah. Which honestly, I don't even know why you'd be mad at that. I would prefer that so much. Yeah. You can tell that scene wasn't written by somebody who actually has a cat. Oh what? Oh yeah. <laughs> Watch, I'd be completely wrong on that. <laughs> but uh, that's the best I can do for my least favorite scene. Like I said, I don't think this movie drops the ball anywhere. Uh, I agree. Yeah. 
But for my favorite scene, I that this is a hard one because again, I like a lot of this movie. But I think it's I think it's in the cave with death and the past lives because it's Puss starting to realize just how much of a jerk he was in his past lives. And then having death be the immediate follow-up to that. And seeing shattering the past lives and everything. It's like, oh, that is, that's just, it's not only a, a major good scene, but it's super good storytelling and uh, symbolism. I'm actually right there with you. My favorite moment. That's probably my favorite moment, too. Any final thoughts before we move on? I don't know what to say that I haven't already said, but uh, this this movie really this movie didn't have to be this good, but I'm so so glad it was this good. Let's go ahead and get out of here, man. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Drew for joining me. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our Discord. The link for which is in the description of this episode. Chat with us about Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. What you thought of the movie. What you thought of Superman vs. the Elite, the last episode we did prior to this. What are your thoughts on The Mandalorian? Something we're going to be covering here soon. Because Season 3 is getting closer and closer to its end. And just all sorts of Marvel TV news, movie news, DC news. We love to talk about it. We're massive nerds. Some gaming news. A lot of gaming stuff's happened here lately. We didn't have Power Up in Game this past week at the time of this recording. We had like we had a lot of scheduling conflicts, so instead of Michael and I just rushing to get something like the one hour we would both have time, we just said screw it, we'll take a week off. And of course, that one week we take off, everything decides to break. <laughs> Tears of the Kingdom gets gameplay. E three gets canceled for what feels like the eighth time this year. Just wild stuff. So of course that happens <laughs> somehow. But uh, yeah, man. Uh, you can find us on Discord. Link is in the description. Talk with us about any of those things. Also, consider leaving us a rating. I think as of next week, Tristan messaged me, because it will be Tristan's pick next week. So, as of next week, Tristan has the selection for what we're going to be watching. I think we're going to be watching Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Oh. That's what he told me. So, I'm very excited for that. I've never seen Scott Pilgrim. So, this is going to be a movie I've never seen before. Going in completely blind, really. All I know is Brandon Routh is in it. Which Brandon Routh, to me, is always a win. Chris Evans is in it. Chris Evans is always a win. So, awesome. Cannot wait. Until then, stay safe and take care.